Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Houston Astros not only won Game 4 of the World Series, they did it by doing something no team had done in the World Series since 1956. Is it finally happening? Are the Washington Commanders for sale? And Steve Nash was behind the eight ball with the Nets from the word go. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. After giving up seven runs and five home runs in game three, the Houston Astros did not just the improbable, the nearly impossible. For just the second time in World Series history, they no-hit their opponent, the first combined no-hitter in World Series history, and the first since 1956. This series has already been absolutely incredible. Joining me now from Locked on Astros, Brett Chancey. And Brett, this has seemed like a Phillies team of destiny, and yet Houston got off the schneid in a big way in this game. What was the difference? The difference was Christian Javier. This guy is a hidden gem. He's part of Ozzo Campo, who actually just left the organization. Part of his genius signing, signing him, Valdez, Urquidy, and a whole cast of characters from these Latin American countries. But Christian Javier, he just didn't have the innings to put him into the categories. Had he had the innings, he had the top strikeouts per nine. Um, he had, he has the low 171 or 191 batting average against this fastball in the strike zone. And this was the perfect pitcher to come in and neutralize an absolutely hot offense. I mean, they're in Philadelphia. The crowd was a ruckus. We were warned. We were a little afraid to admit it, but at the end of game three, Peter, I was not sure how we were going to recover. This was the perfect recovery because the first three innings, it was a boxing match, blow for blow. Pitchers, Aaron Nola was doing a great job. He erased four base runners in two different innings where the Astros went 15 innings without scoring a run, and they just unleashed and unloaded for another five-run lead. Then, of course, you thought, wait, five-run leads aren't safe in this series. Javier just knows how to deal in the zone. He knows how to get the ball high, and it's his invisible his motion, the way he brings his arm back and brings it over, he starts this wind up almost near his his ankle. And by the time that ball comes out of his hand, you don't know where it's going. A masterful performance and a second um, multi-pitcher no-hitter with Christian Javier at the helm. It's also the second time the Phillies have been no-hit this season. Both times, Nola has been on the mound. So just some tough luck for him in this series. And you mentioned some of the other pitchers that helped in this. This is a four pitcher uh, adventure for yeah. the Houston Astros. And it is, I think, emblematic of the way this Astros team has been put together. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, that's what this team's strength is. And I've always said that if the Astros can extend innings, if the Astros can force the Phillies to go to their bullpen, I'm not worried about our bullpen. I'm not worried about who goes in. And when Javier came out with 97 pitches, you're like, okay, that's great. Because now you can have him if there's a potential game seven. And you've got Brian Abreu, who 
struck out the side. And then Montero comes in and gets strikeouts as well. And then Presley comes in and Presley is perfect and save opportunities in the playoffs. He is on quite a roll. Any concern with Ryan Presley in particular throwing, you know, this is a condensed schedule now because of the rain. And now you, you get some, some extra pitches on Ryan Presley in a five Oh game. Not a, not a traditional save situation. Yeah. I, you know, he, to me, if he would have shown some decline tonight, maybe given up a run or something like that, I think maybe there's some concern. Of course, like the broadcasters were talking about, the more you see a pitcher, the more familiar you get with him. Sure. But with Presley, since he's in the closing role and in a single inning, I think that exposure is minimized as long as he doesn't see six, seven, eight batters. If he sees three to four batters, I don't have a problem with it because usually that's different parts of the lineup. I say keep doing what you're doing. Keep riding your horses that got you here. And we have a lot more ammunition to fire off in the bullpen than the Phillies do. I really like our chances right now. There is the old baseball cliche that momentum is the next day's pitcher, and the Houston Astros proved that in game four. Brett, appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Stay up to date all year on the Houston Astros by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Astros podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, are the Washington Commanders for sale? All right, can we pause for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great, because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate peppermint granola. It's built taking on the granola bar so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And then for the holidays, candy cane brownie puff. Are you serious? These things are outrageous. Every new flavor they come up with is just better than the next one. I had the toffee almond. The other day, I bought a box and didn't know what to expect. But I know that Built Bar is going to deliver. They always deliver. And guess what? Guess what? They delivered. 17 grams of protein, shockingly low in sugar and calories, just 130 calories. Just sink your teeth into the first bite, and it will change your life. I'm telling you, it will change your life. Every flavor delivers, and all the new flavors are must-tries. Get 15% off your order by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Kansas basketball coach Bill Self and assistant Curtis Townsend were suspended Wednesday for the first four games of the season, and the Jayhawks imposed several recruiting restrictions as part of the fallout from the FBI investigation into college basketball corruption stemming from 2017. Self and Townsend were named in the NCAA's notice of allegations that accused the school of five level one violations tied to its relationship with Adidas. They will miss the Jayhawks matchup against Duke in the Champions Classic on November 15th. Assistant coach Norm Roberts will serve as interim head coach of the defending national champions during Self's suspension over the first four games. D.C. police on Wednesday announced that a 17-year-old male juvenile has been arrested in relation to the August shooting of Washington Commanders rookie running back Brian Robinson Jr. The Metropolitan Police Department chief said the young man has been charged with assault with intent to rob while armed. Since the suspect is a juvenile, MPD would not provide his name or any details of his legal history. The 23-year-old Robinson was shot twice in the right leg on August 28th near a stretch of clubs, bars, and restaurants along 8th Street in Northeast Washington. 
The highly touted third round draft pick underwent surgery and sat out the first month of the NFL season. He first took the field during week five on August 9th against the Tennessee Titans and has since claimed the team's starting running back role. It is one of the best stories of the young NFL season. Coming out of a bye week, the LA Chargers hope for continued recovery in their injury-plagued roster. What else is new? This team cannot catch a break with injuries, but that does not appear to be the case for wide receiver Keenan Allen. Allen expressed frustration Wednesday over yet another setback in his recovery from a hamstring injury which put into question his status ahead of a Week 9 matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. After sitting out five games following the season opener, Allen returned to the lineup in a Week 7 loss to the Seattle Seahawks. On a pitch count, he played only the first half and caught two passes for 11 yards. My fantasy team can confirm. I don't think it was a restrain or anything, Allen said. It was just some more scar tissue that is trying to break off, and whenever it is ready to heal, just got to let it do its own thing. That's how I feel about my toddler. You just got to let him do its own thing. Whatever he's going to do, he's going to do it. The Miami Heat and Sacramento Kings got together for an early season game in South Beach. A Tyler Hero game winner gives the Miami Heat their first two-game win streak of the season. I'm Wes Goldberg with Locked On Heat. And after the Miami Heat trailed for most of the fourth quarter, Tyler Hero scored 13 points in that period, including the game-winning three-pointer with 1.8 seconds left to give the Heat the win. And after Tuesday's win over the Warriors, the Heat have won consecutive games for the first time all season to improve to 4-5. and five. It's a big win for the Heat, who were without Jimmy Butler tonight. He was resting a sore hip. And a lot of it has to do with Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo combining for 21 of Miami's 33 points in the fourth quarter on the second night of a back-to-back. Thanks to them and 22 points from Kyle Lowry, the Heat might be turning things around. For more on the game and the Heat's outlook going forward, tune in to Locked on Heat on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Here is another story you need to know. The very thing fans have been chanting at Daniel Snyder for years may finally be coming true. A bombshell report from Forbes that Dan Snyder, owner of the Washington Commanders, has recruited a bank to indeed sell the team. Now, that is a long way from this all actually happening. So to break this all down, joining me now from Locked On Commanders, Chris Russell and Chris This is probably the only team for whom we would do this because this is something that fans have been talking about and and we as media have been talking about for a long time because of Daniel Snyder, his reputation, and now the investigation into some some ugliness uh, over what has gone on uh, in that organization. What did you make of the report when you first saw it? Well, it was a a monumental day on Wednesday uh, around uh, the nation's capital, Uh, you know, land of monuments, right? Uh, It was certainly a a monumental, earth-shaking day. Uh, I called it, uh, Peter, I I don't know if anybody would agree. Ah, Some people have agreed. Some people have, well, hold on, hit the brakes. I called it the most important day in this franchise's history since they last won a Super Bowl in January of 1992, which Mm. is over 30 years ago, right? Um, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that uh, it's over. Like you said, long way to go. The national nightmare, the 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 DMV's nightmare of it of dealing with Dan Snyder, seeing a once storied and proud franchise erode uh, basically faster than a lot of beaches have eroded over many decades, uh, has been. You know, um, something that that people just can't quite figure out and how to how to, uh, again, fix the problem. It seems like and I want to be careful here because we don't 
know if 100% it is a full sale, but it seems like something good is going to happen here. The question is, is what is it? How much is it? How is it structured? And obviously the end game for anyone around the Washington, D.C. area that cares at all about the commanders is that Dan Snyder, no matter who replaces him, is completely gone. Yeah, there's there's some reporting that this could be just a minority stake mm-hmm. in in the the team, a majority stake. It does seem though that finally, and and if you want to put it this way, mercifully, uh, there has been some changing in what has been a an intransigent stance from Dan Snyder and his family that this is my team, and I will continue to do with it as I please. I'm I'm going to ask you to speculate wildly a little bit on this as to why you think now is finally the moment when this happens. Yeah, to me, Dan Snyder's statements mean absolutely nothing, Peter, because if you remember, and maybe some in your audience do, maybe you do, uh, back in, I think, 2013, he said, we will never change the name. And you can put that in all caps. And as soon as money was threatened to take, you know, big time corporate money was taken away he changed the name, right? Uh, Now, fast forward to 2022, you have all of these incidents, all of these reports, all of these investigations, Jim Ursay, the NFL putting pressure, Mary Jo White, just everything kind of snowballing, avalanching, if you will, into one. And I think certainly that had its impact. It still could potentially have a heavy impact. And then the other thing that we're all kind of speculating around, you know, a week and a half ago, we were at FedEx field for a commander's win against the green Bay Packers and Tanya Snyder, his co-CEO, his wife was put on the scoreboard and she was booed Mm. during breast cancer awareness. Now that's not the nicest thing in the world, but it just shows you that they tried to put a friendly face They tried to make her the soft landing spot, if you will, of the organization during everything, and nobody fell for it, and nobody wants that, and nobody thinks that's real, and everyone just wants Dan out. So when maybe when they saw that, along with the bags and just the constant, just never-ending, unrelenting criticism and news coverage, maybe they just said, you know what, enough is enough, we got to take our $6 billion if we can get it. I was just going to say, I think the billions of dollars that will be the windfall here ultimately have something to do with it. So if you're going to be the architect of the next owner, I'm not going to ask you to, to name any names unless you have one in mind. But what what do you want to see from the next ownership group of the Washington Commander? Well, you know, I think a, I and a lot of people would love to see Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder. Uh, who you know built uh, Amazon HQ2 in Northern Virginia and got a lot of public subsidies and public help. You know he obviously has more money than he'll ever know what to do with. Can easily afford six billion a new stadium and then some. Uh, yeah, he, he could write be, a check. Yeah, he would be like Stan Kroenke times ten, right? You know, uh, in terms of being able to do financially a lot of the things. Quite honestly, Dan Snyder is challenged with right now. He's leveraged up against the wall from his buyout of his minority partners. Can't build a stadium without public funding, so on and so forth. So that's one name. Ted Leonsis, the owner of the Capitals and the Wizards and uh, and Capital One Arena and and other things, who's trying to buy the Nationals actually. Uh, is another name to just keep on the back burner. I wouldn't say on the front burner, but just on the back burner uh, in case things go south, if you will, with the Nationals. But, you know, I, I would I would say the, the biggest thing that that a new potential owner ha- has to have, and, and of course we're talking about one with at least majority control or exclusive control, is 
a much better sense of reality and touch with the fan base. Stay up to date all year on the Washington Commanders by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Commanders podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, Steve Nash was not put into a winning situation from day one with Brooklyn. Yesterday, Steve Nash became the first head coach to get fired in the NBA season. Many say they could see this coming. But as John Corrales and Jake Madison of Locked On NBA point out, the Nets never really put Nash in a position to succeed. Uh, I said from the beginning of these Kevin Durant rumors that Nash should just be like, hey, guys, thanks. Thank, thanks. And, you know, go, you know, have fun. Have fun with whatever you're trying to do. That, that is, you said it perfectly, though. He, he never had a chance. Steve Nash never had a chance. Um, and I, I liked the hire when he came in because I thought, hey, here's a guy who speaks superstar. He understands what they, the fact that they see things that a regular person can't see, or they see things in real time that takes normal people five passes on video to see and recognize. Uh, they, are, they are at a different level, and so was Steve Nash, and he gets it. And he can be the he can finally be the guy that talks to these guys. Like Steve Nash was never put in position to succeed. Sean Marks and his media availability after all of this even said that. He's like, we didn't really do him any favors. We didn't really put the right kind of team around him, which is a pretty damning statement on himself, I'd say, when it comes to all of that. And so Steve Nash is a scapegoat that was probably happy to get out of this situation. The reason this is so difficult is because any team would acquiesce to superstars. Any team would say, oh, we can pay DeAndre Jordan to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to come to our team. Yeah, cool. We would love to do that. Any team would say, oh, we have to deal with the the, the quirky personality of Kyrie Irving and now the the full-on problematic and potentially hateful personality of Kyrie Irving, depending on on how serious you think this anti-Semitism issue runs deeply for him. You hope this is just a case of he screwed up thinking he was sounding smart and didn't realize the, the harm that he was causing. We'll see. But when you hitch your wagon to eccentric superstars, these things can happen. And Steve Nash just happened to be collateral damage. The Nets would probably do it again. Because if James Harden hamstring holds up two years ago, they might win the title. And if there isn't a vaccine mandate, they might have won the title last year. But that's not what happened. And hitching your wagon, especially to Kyrie Irving, is a dangerous game to play. The Nets found out the hard way. And unfortunately, Steve Nash is the biggest collateral damage in all of this. And finally, there have been a number of top PGA Tour golfers defect to the new live golf regime this year. Many fans, media members, and players have responded with disapproval, to put it mildly in some cases, of the players making a move. Bubba Watson is confused by this. It makes me laugh because on the PGA Tour, I get paid behind closed doors to show up at tournaments, many tournaments, Watson told ESPN. And if Bubba Watson's not the best, that means the best were getting paid better than me and more than me. And so it's guaranteed money. I miss the cut, I still make money. I make the cut, I make extra money. Guessing a few people complain about the competitive nature of Bubba Watson, two-time Masters champion. 
Still, there's plenty of problematic parts of this Live Golf Tour. And just because guys were getting paid to show up on the PGA Tour, it's not the same. It's not even close to the same. But I get why if you're someone like Bubba Watson and you play on the Live Tour, you have to have that sort of false equivalency in your mind. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, who will win? Philadelphia or Houston? We've got two titanic matchups between those two cities. We've got the World Series, the Phillies and the Astros, and the the Eagles and the Texans. I couldn't even get through it. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.